Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said in the month of January 2021, that you're going to teach us to move mountains, to see no limitations in our lives, especially as it pertains to the things that you have said you would do in and through us. We are here. We are ready. We are receptive. Teach us. Build in us a confidence in your ability that no force in the world can stand against the momentum that you will birth and engineer in us by your spirit and for your namesake. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Say loud, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. One more time, happy new year. Hallelujah. The year will indeed be new and happy for you. Praise the Lord. Turn your Bibles quickly. Proverbs 24 verse 10. Proverbs 24 verse 10. Proverbs 24 verse 10. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 10. Please read together. One, two, go. Mm -hmm. I can't hear you. Is it Christmas rice that has choked your throat? Read loud and clear. One, two, go. Look at this. He said, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Listen, in 2021, don't try to stop adversity. Build your strength. Did you hear what I said? Don't try to stop adversity. Build your strength. See, if your strength fails, don't blame the adversity. Your strength was the issue. Your strength was the issue. What brings many people down in this life makes other people stronger. You have to understand this. That people grow weak by pain and people also get strength by pain. If you go to the gym and you try to bulk up, it's going to be a painful experience. Pain is behind strength. It's the mystery of life that for every, every living thing you see in the plant world is the evidence of death. That for any plant to germinate, a seed must die. It's a mystery in life. Are you getting what I'm saying at all? So the problem is not adversity. The problem was your capacity. And it takes discipline to accept an idea like this because let's tell ourselves the truth. Adversity gives us attention. When you're going through a lot and people are telling you sorry, you know, there's a part of us that is tempted to enjoy that pity. You know, at least for once I have some attention, even if it is sorry they are saying, ah, sorry, sorry, sorry. And if you're not careful, you now build a castle out of that adversity. You want to dwell there forever. 
It is called self-pity. What I'm saying is a real issue. Are you aware? Some people always, you know, it's a mental construct. They like to be the victim because of the attention that it gives them. So for this, for what I'm saying, to find expression in your life, you have to love progress more than you love pity. And it, it, it sounds simple. Of course, everybody loves progress more than they love pity. Not quite. That there are some times in your life, some seasons in your life, that people are trying to pity you and you know that's not what you need. You will enjoy it, but that's not what you need. You will enjoy it, but that's not what will move you forward. And so you take the bull by the horn and you say, you know what, I'm going to build capacity. Going to build capacity. So that when Jesus comes to that man by the pool of Bethesda and asks, would ask him a simple question, will you be made whole? You don't start history lessons. Some people are so you know, shut up in their pain that they can't even see opportunity for progress anymore. You don't know who is talking to you. You don't know the opportunities that are standing before you because all you see is pain. All you see is the people who should have been there for you and were not there. I have no man. That's what he said. You're thinking about your uncle who is rich and would not help. You're thinking of your dad, maybe who disappointed you a couple of times. You're thinking about all the setbacks that you've had. And guess what? Your concerns are legitimate, but progress will not come. So if you are looking for people who will just identify with your pain, you are not really particular about progress. At least own up to that. But if what you truly want is progress, there is an assessment of the problem here. It says if your strength fails in the day of adversity, it is because your strength was small. This is the year of light. The year of impact, integrity, and distinction. You see, there is a grading system in most schools. And I don't really know how they do it, but there's a C grade. Let me start from F. <laughs> Many people, some people fail. And some people have D, grade D. And some people have, in fact, there is even E in some systems. Systems. Some people have grade D. Some people have C. And have you, have you seen people, you know, who in school, they just want to have C. Ah, in this course, if I can just have credits, thank God. Oh. Let's be honest. Don't you know people like that? Maybe you're like that. And let's be honest, there are some courses that are like curses. You understand? They're just like, God, if, if let me just enter. <laughs> Live. And then there's a grade called distinction. Distinction. So, why am I saying this? Because there's a perspective you must have to life. It starts from here, from your mind. If your perspective to life is, if I just get by, if I just have credit, I'll be all right. 
then you don't understand the vision that God is trying to birth in your spirit. When we talk about moving mountains, when we talk about the year of light, the year of impact and distinction, you have to reckon that you can do better than you're doing. It's important that by the Spirit of God and actually by just sheer effort, you can do better. It starts from there. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter the destiny on your life. Without effort and without partnership with God, you won't do much. You won't do much. If you are a good student of history, you know what I'm saying. There are people who had supernatural encounters since they were children. People who had opportunities. People who grew up in very, you know, had all the influence they needed, couldn't make much of it. You have to des decide to do better. Hallelujah. You have to decide that um, your destiny will not be based on your background, but based on what God has said about you. It's a perspective. Let me show you something. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.26. 1 Corinthians 1.26. 1 Corinthians 1.26. Have, have you opened your Bibles? Read together, one to go. Look at this. It says, brothers and sisters, think about what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble by birth. Can I tell you something? There are few texts that mirror my life better than this. I'm just seeing my life in this. This is literally the story of my life. You, you see, you won't appreciate how far I've come until you know where I'm coming from. You don't, you don't know where I'm coming from. Virtually everything people admire and respect about me, I engineered. Intentionally engineered. I'm not of noble birth, nothing. You see, some people just look at what we're doing as a ministry. And I've heard, you know, some people dismiss it and say, oh, it's from a ritual. It's not true. <laughs> I don't know where people get these ideas from. It's not true. I don't think my dad has ever given to this ministry before. No. Never. And he doesn't need to. He didn't call me. He has done his part. He trained me. He sent me to good schools. So when I said God, God, especially since he had other plans, <laughs> and I said, God, God, do you? And we have a great relationship. Well, let me say good. <laughs> we actually have a great relationship. Hallelujah. 
And I was home for Christmas. And he told me a story. About one time, he had to do an operation. And they had to give him anesthetics. Is that what it's called? Yeah, so, and they went through the operation. And when he came back to his consciousness, the, the doctors told him, I said, do you know what you were saying when you were unconscious? And he said, what? He said, throw out your unconscious state. All you were saying was, ah, my children, their school fees, I cannot die. <laughs> you know, that's all he was saying. You know, and that story, you know, made me realize three things. First and foremost, it repressed something I already knew. That at that time, there was no savings. If he died, no school. You don't understand. No savings, no investments, no company that I just show up and say, okay, my father is with the Lord now, so I'm the new CEO. <laughs> Nothing. And then it also buttressed, you know, the kind of love that he had. It's, it's tough love. It's African love. My dad never said, okay, he has only said he loves me once in my life. The day he said, I love you, I embarrassed myself. Because I was not expecting it. It was over the phone. So he finished talking, okay, bye-bye. I love you. I love you too! And then I was done all out. That's weird. Like, I've been waiting for that. So he just, he just showed it. <laughs> he just never said. Well, I mean, when you hear that a man was fighting for his life and what he was thinking of was his children, you know, that's... <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't be expressive, but I'm saying I, at least I know he loves me. That's what counts. Praise the Lord. And then it just shows... The kind of drive in that man. If there is nothing I gain from that man, that drive, drive to do better. Ah, that a man in his unconscious state is saying, I can't die. I have children to take care of. Listen, people who have nothing to live for, they die easier. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They die easier. You, you have to have a drive. Something to live for. Something has to push you to do better. Something has to motivate you. What do you live for? Live for Jesus. Live for love. You have to have people in your life that you truly deeply care about. If you don't understand this simple principle, then I don't know how to preach to you this morning because... Today's sermon is for people who have a compelling vision for their life. You have to have a compelling drive. Something that God has told you to do or something that you stumbled into by compassion. It might be audacious, don't worry. If you say, I don't like seeing children out of school on the streets. That's where it starts from. Don't just say you can't do anything about it. At least embrace the legitimacy of that passion. That's where it starts. Please, are you listening to me? Yes, sir. That in the Bible, 
You see, look at all the people God used. Ordinary men. Ordinary men. There's not many wise by human standards. Not many noble. Not many, I mean, that's one of the greatest gifts. When you're watching superhero movies, you admire them, but you know you can never be them. An average African child, son in particular, after you watch all those um, superhero movies, you do silly things. You tie the duvet around your neck and you try to fly. You, you might have gotten injured a couple of times and then you get some wisdom. That's not you. But when you read the Bible, you can identify with the people that God used. You saw their vulnerabilities recorded in the Bible when God told Moses how he tried to excuse himself. Me? How do you say someone who is a stammerer is meant to be speaking all his life? Are you, you don't mind me. It's like mockery now. A stammerer, you'll be a prophet. Ah! <laughs> a stammerer will be a prophet. And he just kept trying to, can't you use someone else? Can't you? So you identify. Even the, the son of man, you know, he says you don't have a high priest that is not touched with the feelings of your infirmity. That you can learn all those things from them. That the Bible could tell you Elijah was a man like you. Do you, do you. Listen, I can't get over that. The Elijah I read about, who called fire from the sky. According to science, it's colder up there, you know, clouds and all of that, you know, it's fire. Not once, not twice. He was using it to play. And you read all those things. You see, when you read about Moses, at least you can understand, oh, there was, they were desperate. They were facing the Red Sea. People were coming to kill them. Hence, the miracle of parting the Red Sea was important. Elijah was using it for convenience. <laughs> we just part the Jordan. Only one person. You are not moving anybody to promised land. You just want to pass. And then the Bible says, that was a man like you. So, and then not just that, he tells you what made him extraordinary. He said he prayed earnestly. So, in the word of God, you see heroes of faith as ordinary people. You identify with their weakness, with their frailties, with their insecurities. All the things they said. When God told Jeremiah, I called you. Right from your mother's womb, I separated you. He said, ah, I'm a child. And God is saying, don't talk like that. Don't talk like that. God is teaching them confidence. Teaching them. So now you want to ask yourself, what can God do with my life? I have no excuse. He has used ordinary people like me. I have no excuse. So if I refuse this divine partnership, it is my fault. It is not because I am not of noble birth, because God doesn't look at that. It's not because I wasn't tall enough. Do you know what it means? That a prophet shows up in a house and says, one of your sons will be king. And it didn't occur to Jesse to call David. It can't be David. 
<laughs> Do you know what that means? The prophet had to, by prophetic gift, say, ah, there must be one more. Do you know if you are David, that's enough to beef that man for the rest of your life? <laughs> that they say, ah, at least those, the father did not seem worthy of the opportunity, David, that there will be a king in this house and it will be David. He didn't see it. That they were auditioning <laughs> for kingship and they left you to be following sheep. Packing their sheet. <laughs> ah. If he was in the flesh, after that oil comes on his head, you say, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you will be my first example <laughs> in this kingdom. <laughs> you will be my first. You would have used silly hashtags on social media. Haters. Don't, if they say, give me one. that think about that look at how look at look at how jesse was thinking ah surely it must be the first one his tongue broad chest you know and god said men look at the outward appearance but i look at the heart think about that think about that think about that hey my goodness so by human standard maybe you're not even fine enough Maybe you're not even tall enough. Maybe you don't have the perfect skin. God said, it's you, it's you I want. You did do well in school. God said, it's you, it's you, it's you. It's you. It's you. You know, life teaches us a lot. If you've graduated from school long enough, you know that you can never really tell the destinies of people by how they did in class. Oh, my God. You realize it's all a scam. First position. First. It, those things help. Those things help. But I've, let's be honest. Let me voice out some hidden things you see in your mind already. Have you seen someone, you know, that they have not seen since school days? And you're, ah. It was a surprise. They say, and then you just, when they just look at you and say things like, wow, you've changed. That statement is deep. <laughs> that, ah, you didn't expect it to. Eh? <laughs> you see, some of you don't know <laughs> where I'm coming from. Let me tell you how bad things were. So, as time went on, God began to bless me, you know, for the sake of ministry and all of that. And then I got my first iPad. This was, I think, 2010, 2010, thereabouts. And then I was minding my business in a service. And then the camera just panned, I didn't even see, panned towards me. And then it showed in the projector. And someone shouted at, to his friend, ah, your man who has iPad. <laughs> it, they never saw me as. <laughs> You don't understand. Ah, yes. And God likes to humble people like that. Before I graduated from that school, I gave out five. 
gave out five. There's a certain lady I was dating. I gave one. She went to church. They said, drop. She dropped it there. I said, okay. <laughs> I can't complain. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Please, are you with me? I said all of that to say this. It doesn't matter where you're from. Look and see the visions of God. Believe today that God can make a name for himself with your life. If this is all you get today, that's okay. Please, are you with me? Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Hi, my goodness. Hi. Oh, my goodness. He said, I know, he's talking to his people. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Oh, God is thinking about me. God is planning for my future. Do you know how this affects your life? God is thinking about me. He's planning for my future. And then you're just curious. Like, okay, I want to draw out my plans for my life. See his plans for my life and compare. Can I tell you something? If you could do that, you will squeeze your own and throw it away. So just think about that. God is thinking thoughts about my future. And so what I have to do is to align myself with the thoughts of God. I align myself. Because no matter how great the plans I have for myself are, there are still an underestimation of his plans. His plans and his thoughts are higher. Don't you understand? He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good. To give you an expected hand. Listen. That means in God, the future doesn't have to be unpredictable. Amongst men, you cannot really know the future. But God speaks of an expected end. Meaning in the realm of the spirit, you can have expectations of the future and they will be accomplished. It's in there. I know the plans that I think towards you. Thoughts of good. So listen, God's thoughts of my future are good. Let me rebuke some suggestions of the devil in your mind. Do you know some people are already afraid of the future? What if I don't have children? You're still single. No? Ah, what if I get so frail, so sick? What if one day my kidneys just stops working? I rebuke those thoughts. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm saying this on purpose, not for motivation, because many of you may not know this. Those are suggestions of Satan. But in the word of God, he says, I know the thoughts. Ah, my goodness. Even when you are unsure about yourself, God knows his thoughts concerning you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. The thoughts of good. To give you a future and a hope. God wants to give you a future. So now, in Christ, you have a sense of vision. Vision for the future. 
When I got born again, all I wanted was Jesus, but he arranged my life. Everything about my life changed. I just had a sense of purpose, of course, obviously, but it affected everything around me. It affected everything. It gave me a sense of self-worth. I can't just explain it. I just wanted to do better because of Jesus. Because he has thoughts concerning me. He's offering you a future and a hope. Please, are you with me this morning? So now, God is selling a dream for your own future to you. And he's telling you because all he wants is for you to agree. God is still in the business of selling dreams to people. Please come, Pastor K. The Bible says God took Abraham in the cool of the day. I want you to picture this. And he said, look at the stars. Start counting. It says, that's the number of children I will give you. No, God could have just told him, I will give you many children. Why did God take him out? Why did God have to be so graphic, so pictorial? Because he was working on his mind. Are you with me? So, if God, listen, when it comes to moving mountains, you have to embrace the visions of God. He said, look, look at the stars. Try to count. Abraham said, one, two, three, four, five. And then, you know, if you've tried to count stars, you will forget where you started. He says, one, two, oh. Okay, let me start again. One, two, three. He said, that's the number of children. Thank you so much. That's the number of children I will give you. Ah, so... God planted an image in Abraham's mind. When he left that place, there was an image in his mind. When he slept, laid on his bed, there was an image in his mind. When he woke up in the morning, there was an image in his mind. God wants to sell a dream to you. Because guess what? As, as unlimited as he is in his ability and his power and his influence, he cannot do for you what you don't agree. He can't do for you what you don't agree to. God is all powerful, but limited in your life. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So there must be an agreement from within us because the power is within us. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is so important. So no matter the destiny on your life, the provisions that are at your beck and call, you will only see as much power as you allow. Let me show you to you in the Bible. What you are going to read will shock you. Are you ready for this? Psalm chapter 78 verse 40. Psalm chapter 78 verse 40. Psalm 78 verse 40. Let's see KJV. Oh, glory, glory, glory to God. Okay. 
I want to show you what some other translations say. It says, and how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness? He's talking about the children of Israel. God is selling a dream to them. You are eating locusts. You are slaves. I want to give you your own land. Do you know, when you think about it, you wonder what kind of people those Israelites were. God wanted to give them their own land, land flowing with milk and honey. You are slaves. He's literally asking for their permission, let me bless you. He sent them a prophet, gave him signs to prove that he was a prophet. Drop your rod down, pick it up, all those things. I mean, the theatrics, the drama, but it was still difficult. It says, how oft they provoke him in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert. Grieved him. Verse 41. Read it together, one, two, go. <laughs> Read it loud as you can, one, two, go. Yea, they turned back and tempted God, and what? Limited. Limited, Limited who? You know. This is an oxymoron. How do you limit God? But the Bible says you can. They limited. He wanted to bless them. He knew the plans that they had towards them. To give them a future and a hope, the Bible says they limited the Holy One of Israel. They restrained him. Listen, you can, you can restrain the influence of God in your life. <laughs> Please, are you paying attention to this? And that's what we're here to talk about. So now, back to where I started. God has a track record of using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And he wants to work with you. He said, this year, you are light. Your impact will be felt. Your impact will be felt. So you have a choice whether to agree with that or not. My impact can be felt in this nation. My impact can be felt. And some of you, um, <laughs> some of you, what you're supposed to do, you have already started. But you just need a bigger vision. That's all. And I'm saying, don't limit God. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> don't limit God. Don't limit God in your mind. How big? Is the work of God going to be, you know, 
um, when this ministry was a lot younger, there was a singer I was trying to talk to. <laughs> you know, it's, it's harder to get singers to commit to your ministry when your ministry is young. Ah, what didn't I tell this guy? Then he was singing for one of the largest churches in this country, invariably in the world. And I told him, I said, the Lord called me. Not much is showing now. Our headquarters is in Ikotuigbe, Lagos, in a bush. <laughs> but God called me. I don't have much evidence, much carnal evidence to show you. God called me. And he was us. You know, and then he said something. Well, I don't mind leaving a big ministry to join your ministry. The moment he made that statement, I lost interest. <laughs> I'm not working with you again. Because in my mind, this ministry has never been small. Never. I never called him again till today. And I'm not saying that. I'm, it's not before. I hope you understand. But ah, no, small. You have to work with people who, who see what God is showing you. There was a vision problem. Hallelujah. So you might be starting, but don't be small. You see, they don't pay, they don't pay for dreaming, Abby. They don't pay money for dreaming. No one will give you a bill at the end of the month. This is how much you've been dreaming. So at least dream big. It's free of charge. It's free of charge. And so I remember that time as an undergraduate in the university, I began to train myself. I said, you know what? By the time I'm graduating from this school, as an undergraduate, though, there will be no platform in the world I will be invited to preach and my knees will buckle. That doesn't mean I won't be grateful for the opportunity. But I won't <laughs> stage fright. Me? Never. There is no place on earth. This was true 10 years ago. What I'm saying was true 10 years ago. There's no place on earth. I get the opportunity to preach. I climb the stage and my knees will start buckling. Never. If you see it, the video was doctored. <laughs> I'm telling you. I trained for it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because dreaming is free. Dreaming is free. Praise the Lord. So it doesn't matter. You have to have a big dream. Do you know? And, and what I'm saying is not just from that time, I stopped looking for platforms. In fact, on purpose, I started rejecting invitations. Because I wanted to see what God will produce through me. I didn't want to rely on people's platforms. That's the mistake some of you are making. You are still waiting for them to invite you. Someone to open the door for you. Look within you. What has God said? Hallelujah. Look within you. Stop saying I have no man. Look within you. Look within you. Now, eh? 
if I accept any invitation, it's out of honor, deep honor and love. Because I'm busy. I'm busy. I don't even have enough time to shuffle all our branches. After reboot camp, I'm spent, <laughs> literally. Hallelujah. There's no time. Don't limit God. I'm going to wrap this up with three points. How do people limit God? Number one, by being unpersuadable. And I will explain what that means. You know, some of you, you are so programmed, so set in your ways, that even what I'm saying, you know, subconsciously just passes one ear and goes through the other. It doesn't have an impact in you because when we're talking about doing great things, you have been so programmed not to see yourself doing better. That was the problem the children of Israel had. They were unpersuadable. Moses said, how will they know that you sent me? He said, drop your rod. Pick it up. He dropped it up. He dropped it. It turned to a serpent. Pick it up. Picked it up. It turned to a rod. He did that for them. They were interested. But somewhere along the way, you know where Pharaoh said, oh, it is because you people don't really have work. That's why you are hearing from God. You are having vain imaginations. Then he increased their burdens. They turned against Moses. They couldn't just catch the vision. After all the signs, after all the miracles, do you know what it means for water to turn to blood? And I'm not trying to compare, but it is more difficult to turn water to blood than to turn water to wine. Any science student knows what I'm saying. Which is easier to fake, first and foremost? Of course. Because as great as the wine miracle is, it's still earthly components. But blood, that's creation. Ah, that someone said, God said, let the children of Israel go. Otherwise, this river will turn to blood. You were there, and you just touched it. Bah, blood. Ah! And they saw all that. That the spirit of death hovered around the city, but they were safe in Goshen. Not one of their children died. They saw all that. Then you are in front of the Red Sea, and it didn't occur to you to pray. Their reflex was, oh, did we not tell you? You brought us here to die. What kind of... And you might be thinking, why were they like that? You just might be like that. God has tried to persuade you. You, your own, when God took you in the cool of the day to say, count the stars, say, uh, I don't see anything. Why are you like this? Why are you like this? So unpersuadable. Got to the wilderness. And you know what they said? Were there no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? All that God was doing, he was doing for them. I want to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Praise the Lord. Don't be unpersuadable. All God wants, and this is the first step, just believing is free. Believe. 
believe. Believe God. Ah, I've seen God change people's lives. Oh. And that's why in our kingdom, <laughs> even as an, a secular person, you might not be, you might not see reason to be humble, but a kingdom person knows to treat everybody well. Because in our kingdom, you can sleep in the prison tomorrow and they call you to the palace next tomorrow. Ah, just greet everybody well. It doesn't cost you anything. I've seen God change lives. It will now be awkward for you. <laughs> Have you seen people trying to commonize great people? Say, I know him now. He's another guy. We grew up together. And people are laughing at you. The joke is on you. Yeah. So you mean you were once playing ball with Mikel? You were playing ball with Mikel Obi? Wow. The joke is on you. Because you are trying to diminish the person's shine, but the joke is on you. I knew him. Ah, he grew up here. <laughs> I knew her. Hallelujah. See the visions of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Number two. You limit God by thinking small. You limit God by thinking small. I told you, you know, if there is anything I learned from my dad, it's just that drive. That I can do it. You know, our landlord gave us so much trouble one day. My dad said, that our uncompleted house, we're moving into it. Ah, we thought he was joking. <laughs> God, I remember. I was very young, but as I was going to the house, I was like, what kind of father is this? I will say things that if I say, you would think I'm joking, but it's true. It was so serious. We, where we're living was so much in the bush that if you come out in the evening and sit on the fence, because we couldn't even fence it. So it was a dwarf fence. You sit on the fence, you will see monkeys jumping from tree to tree. Call any one of my siblings aside and ask them. Call them, corner them where I'm not there and ask them if I'm lying or not. You will see monkeys. It, it was a jungle. There was nothing we didn't kill in that house. You will just be, you, I'm telling you, you will be in the house like this, sitting, and a bat will just fly. In the bedroom. So we had mastered different techniques. You know, the first thing, you know, we were learning. The first time a bat entered, say, let's kill it, let's kill it, oh, turn off the light. You idiot, don't turn off the light. You know, so we were learning by experience. So we turned on the light, turned on more lights, turned on the fan. It was always fans that caught them. All kinds. We, you know this, hey God, I don't know if I should go on. You know, is it called Talatuna spider? The one that has um, hair. I've seen three. I don't know the name, but I've seen three. My sister was sleeping and she just woke, opened her eye like this. She saw on the wall close to her. And then if you go to the house now, beautiful, everywhere has developed. The reason I'm saying this is some of you, the things God has told you will require bravery. You, 
You're just too scared. Too scared. Some of you, you will have to resign your job. You I remember where I was in that office, doing office work, and the Lord spoke to me. He resigned. He said, resign today. <laughs> resign. They're going to do ministry full time. He told me clearly. Ha! Huh? Praise God for an understanding wife because it's like one chance when you marry and then I think two months after a wedding, tell her, God told me to resign. <laughs> Voila. <laughs> Are you with me? It would take bravery. It would take bravery. But you have to stop thinking small. You know, when God sends um, spies of the Jews to Canaan. They came back and they said, here we were as grasshoppers in their eyes. Are you in their eye? How do you know how they are seeing you? See, have you seen people like that in real life that always have an assumption of what you are thinking about them? And they, re they respond to you based on what they think you are thinking? And so, you're not wondering why a simple thing blew up. And you just said something small and there's quarrel. Ah. Because they heard their insecurities through your voice. And they think the problem is what you said. But you ask, analyze what you said and say, ah, I didn't say anything. The problem is your insecurity. That's why you are having problem having friends. Because everyone is working on action. They can't talk to you. Even simple compliments. Even... <laughs> they can't joke with you. You can't take a joke. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? No matter the promises of God on your life, if you don't stop thinking small, God can't help you. God can't help you. There's nothing. God can't help you. You have to have bravery. All those things you read in the Bible and you think is commonplace, God might be requiring for you to do the same. Leave your kindred. Go to a place that I will show you. Ah, it's sweet to read. And you know the Bible is so, the, the Bible leaves out many details. And Abraham left. Ah. <laughs> you know, you just read it straight. Leave your kindred, go to a place that I will show you. And Abraham departed. Between those, between those few verses, a lot went down. Hallelujah. Do you know, as simple as opening this branch, it took bravery. I didn't know you will come. If you choose, to, if you choose not to come, will I force you? So, it is true that the Lord can speak to you. But the decision to do it is bravery. And that one, you must master yourself. This year, he said, it's a year of distinction. If you would distinct, oh my goodness. The fact that fear is so predominant in the world is your advantage. It's your chance. Because brave people are rare. Brave people are rare. If you want to have what many people don't have, you must be willing to do what many people cannot do. Did you hear what I said? 
it's your advantage that people are fearful. Stand up! Get it done. God has said it. You have been saying, ah, I claim it, I claim it. Four years now. Stand up and do it. Stand up and do it. Praise the name of the Lord. Did you hear what I said? Yes, <clears throat> what I'm about to teach you now is one of the most powerful things I've ever taught on fulfilling God's plan for your life. I'm going to share it with you and then I'll close. Are you ready for it? Yes, sir. I've never taught on this this way before. And if you would receive it from your spirit, it will change your life. How many of you here and don't, you don't have to feel pressure to raise your hand because the person by your side is raising hand. How many of you here has God told you to do things that are impossible? Raise your hand. Thank you. What I'm about to show you is how you can do it. Are you ready? So let me show you the fabric of prophecy. When God gives a prophecy, especially things that are impossible, there is a phraseology that you will see often repeated in those instances. And those inst that, those, that phrase, that sentence, that statement is God's strategy for getting the impossible possible in the human realm. Never forget this. So now, Isaiah is prophesying, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. It's a reference you all know. You hear it every Christmas for Carol. But never forget this. Isaiah is prophesying. He says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. You know, this alone is very, very fearful for people. How can you guarantee this? That someone will have so much political influence. Who is, God, who is his godfather? Who is going to introduce him into politics? Who is going to show him the way? Who is going to open the door for him? You've heard many phrases amongst men. There are some rooms you can only enter if someone from inside opens the door. Those statements are being used and now he's prophesying about the son who will be born. He says the government will be upon his shoulder. How is that going to happen? And his name shall be called. This will be his reputation. The first thing he says is miraculous, which... The translations call wonderful, full of wonders, signs and wonders, miraculous. Counselor. And then he enters the realm of impossibility, the mighty God. Look at, he said a child will be born and the child will be the mighty God. It, it starts to mess with your mind. God, what are you doing? Is this even possible? What kind of prophecy is this? How will this happen? The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, this is a classic example of God saying he will do something that is beyond human comprehension. How is this going to happen? 
It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it in judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Everybody read the last sentence together loud as you can. One, two, go. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm giving time for it to sink in. It said the zeal of the Lord. Many times, and this is why you need to understand what it means to be sold out. Sold out. Because you have to understand what it means to be lost in the plans of God. It is his own plan. When it is his own plan, it becomes his own integrity to protect. Do you understand what I'm saying? So on one hand, you're like, ah, God, you said you would do this. On that fateful day, Mary is on her own and an angel appears and tells a virgin you will be with child. And you're wondering, how will it be? And then he tells you how it will happen. And your only response is, let it be unto me according to your word. That, that's, that's all you have to do. He's only waiting for your agreement. The moment you are lying in your spirit, the zeal of the Lord. Be, listen, he is zealous for his own plan. That Hebrew word means the ardor of the Lord. His fervent desire will perform it. Meaning, when God says he's going to do through me and in my life things that are impossible, I don't have to obsess myself with how it will happen. I don't have to bring up my calculator and start calculating. That's not my business. My own is to do what Mary said. Be it unto me. That was her only contribution. Her only contribution was, be it unto me according to your word. And the Bible says, the zeal of the Lord... Oh, the zeal of the Lord. The zeal, this is something I know very much about. God working with them, confirming their words with signs following. That's the zeal of the Lord. Him walking behind the scenes. Him stirring up people to favor you. Him stirring up strangers to favor you. The zeal of the Lord. Listen, if you believe this prophetic word, the zeal of the Lord. And so David said, make a name for, my, for yourself with my life. Make a name for yourself with my life. And God is bragging to say, I'm only using you for my agenda. You're a shepherd boy watching over sheep. I brought you, made you king. That's the zeal of the Lord. Supernatural orchestrations. So that people will look at your life. And they saw what you said you saw. They see where you are. They look at the middle and they know this can only be God. So if you are Joseph and then you have a dream and you saw people bowing to you and you know nobody's going to let you join any political party. Nobody's going to, you don't know how it will happen. None of your business. The zeal of the Lord. <laughs> 
So even when events are happening that seem negative, you that dreamt that people were bowing, you find yourself in a pit. You dreamt people were bowing, you found yourself as a houseboy. You dreamt people are bowing, you found yourself in prison. You still have to see. By the visions of God, you know the force of prophecy. Hallelujah. That even by human metrics, no matter how far away I am from the fulfillment, I'm very close. By the zeal of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord. It says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. The zeal. This, most of what you are thinking is impossible. It's one miracle now. One miracle. One miracle. See, I'm telling you something I know. I've had testimonies in this season. One miracle. They were just, ah. There was a young man, you know, I just felt led to call last week and said, remember I was this church? I said, ah, how are you? Just felt led to call you. Say, I'm even in Lagos. Ah, what are you here for? Say, I had a meeting with the CBN governor. Eh? 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 He said, hey, and he was asking for, he was asking me to advise him on how we can, he can be more effective in these areas this year. I had to turn to my head. <laughs> you won't understand. I wish I could give you the details of the prophecy and, you know, of that story. Please say with me, say the zeal of the Lord. The of the Lord. So when the Lord sells you a vision, believe it and go and sleep. You will keep doing what you have been doing. You'll be hardworking. You'll be responsible. Don't starve in sleepless nights. Ah, how will it happen? How will it... The zeal of the Lord. See, understand, read through the Bible carefully. You will see the zeal of the Lord. Ah, the zeal of the Lord. If you are in line with prophecy, you are the most dangerous person on earth. Dangerous. Dangerous. So, they wanted to kill Jesus. And an angel appears and said to Joseph, take your young son to Egypt till I bring you word. And then after they had spent a while in Egypt, the angel appears again, say you can return. He said, all that seek the life of your son are dead. And Jesus was still a child. Did they all grow old and die? <laughs> you see, when you are a man on an assignment, eh, the whole universe will align. You, you, you don't get what I'm saying. You might be, do you know, there was no expensive hotel for Jesus to be born. So they went to a manger. Manger sounds fresh. You don't know what they're talking about. They went to a stable where they keep animals. That's where Mary had to lay down and push. And guess what? Men of influence, orientals, they traced a star. Oh my God. Or, or, or those days are past. They traced a star to come and give him gold. They gold ah, are, you, are you with me at all they brought gold to a manger are you hearing me they brought gold 
they, they, went, they went about looking, where is he that should be born king of the Jews? And so adults entered into a room with a baby and they fell down and worshipped. He had not started his ministry. He had not had any platform. He had not. They found him. It is because you don't know who you are dealing with. God, God, do you know what God can do with your life? If you will just let him. If you will just let him. Look at what he has done with ordinary people. Every single step. You know what Jesus said? He said, in the volumes of the book is it's written. Lo, I come to do your will. Every single aspect of his life was a fulfillment of prophecy. When he went to the temple for dedication, there was someone who had been told, you will not die until through this door, someone will come with a child, and that child is the Messiah. And as that child came in, look at you looking for recognition in ministry, and look at what God is telling other people. He said, someone is going to come through these doors. The moment you see him, you will know him. You're looking for recognition? As the child came in, lifted the child and blessed God. <laughs> blessed God. God announcing him everywhere. You think what you need is social media sponsorship. God is shouting from the sky. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Shouting. Shepherds are minding their own business. Angels appear in the sky and start singing. Don't have a wrong assessment of your needs. Hallelujah. You have tried for long in your own strength. It is time, hallelujah, to see the visions of God. Lift up your head. See the sky. See what he is showing you and just agree. The moment prophecy carries you, let me tell you something. It's a very dangerous and vulnerable moment though. This season, if you want to see the visions of God, the first thing is you will discover that many of the visions in your life were not the visions of God. He will filter out and fizzle out all your ambitions. Throw them aside. But I can guarantee you, when you see and all you see is indeed the vision of God, you become very dangerous. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop you. God took Abraham to the land of Canaan <laughs> and gave him the history of the next at least 1,000 years. He said, know for sure, your children will go to a land, there will be strangers in that land, and the king will arise, will punish them, make them slaves. He said, I will bring them out with a strong hand, bring them out with plenty, and bring them here. This place you are standing as a stranger, I will bring them here. <laughs> say with me, say, the zeal of the Lord, shall perform it. What I'm explaining to you is how God ever did anything he ever did. By just getting men to align. And then his spirit takes it from there. So God said, you're going to build me schools. Don't ask how. The zeal of the Lord. God said, you're going to preach 
his message to the world. Don't ask how. The zeal, the zeal of the Lord is how he gets things done. His spirit stirring up events and seeming coincidental occurrences so that they can all nudge you towards the fulfillment of prophecy. The zeal of the Lord. What I taught you is all I know. Hallelujah. <laughs> what I just shared with you is my own strategy for the year. The zeal of the Lord. By December, don't say I didn't tell you. Hmm? The zeal of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord. Say the zeal of the Lord. <laughs> Do you believe it? Yes, Hallelujah. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. 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 <laughs> You're not praying like God has told you anything. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray like you believe in the zeal of the Lord. And what you are saying as you pray is simply this. Let it be unto me according to your word. That's the most powerful order a man can make. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. It says the zeal of the Lord. <laughs> Coincidences turn out beautiful. The zeal of the Lord that brings fortune out of misfortune. The zeal of the Lord that can make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the deserts. The problem is not adversity. The real question is the strength in you. What are you flying by? What is the wind under your wings? I suggest to you, be sponsored by the zeal of the Lord. 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 
Hallelujah. Hold your Bibles in your hand. Last text of the day. Isaiah 37, 32. It's just the force of prophecy. Isaiah 37, 32. Isaiah 37, 32. Read together. One, two, go. <laughs> the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. Because it's his plan, because it's his agenda, he will do it. He's making a name for himself with your life. Thank you, Lord. Ah, 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 ah. Just lift your hands and worship him. I give you just five more minutes. Make this time count. See all that he has shown you. And worship him. And say your zeal will do it. <laughs> the zeal of the Lord of hosts. That's how we get things done. Not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7,000 Blessings